2 Chronicles chapter 20. We'll start reading at verse 18. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites, the children of the Kohathites, and the children of Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe in his prophets, so shall ye prosper. When he consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of his holiness. As they went out before the army and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. When they began to sing and to praise, the Lord said ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. In order to understand the text that we just read, we'll go back to verse 20. Jehoshaphat is king. Verse 1, the Bible says that the children of Moab and of Ammon and others besides the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. A coalition of armies have come the king is fearful. The Bible says, verse 2, Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against sea from beyond the sea on the side of Syria. And occasionally in life we may feel this way. There's a great multitude of things that have come up against us. And Jehoshaphat does the right thing. Now he starts out with fear, and the fear of man is never the right thing. But when that fear of man leads us to the fear of God. God can use a bad thing for a good thing, and that's what happens in this case. So we see immediately he sets himself to seek the Lord. Boy, if we do more of this, if we wouldn't wait till we got in a desperate strait to seek God's face, if we wouldn't wait for dire consequences or severe circumstances, if we wouldn't wait for something bad to take place in life before we truly sought God's face. wonder how serious we are in seeking God's face without a catastrophe taking place in our life. wonder how often we truly get down, pour out our soul to God during the regular course of a regular day without any problems, without any stress or distress. wonder how serious we are in our prayer how passionate we come to God when everything is fine. I believe Jehoshaphat was serious because he knew his life was at stake, his nation was at stake, his throne was at stake because of that. With all his heart, he's seeking the Lord. He's so serious, the Bible says he proclaims a fast throughout all of Judah. Pastor, is it biblical to proclaim at church fast? Well, if the king proclaimed a national fast, I believe it's definitely a better idea for a pastor to claim a church-wide fast. He told the entire nation, listen, our sovereignty is at stake. The enemies have us surrounded. This is a time when every man, woman, and child should be seeking the face of the Lord. Does my heart good to see the great group of college students that God has given us serious about reaching the lost, serious about pleasing God, Many of them very serious about fasting. That's what these people had done. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah in Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court. Verse 6, 
here's what he does. He begins to pray. Now, if you read about Jehoshaphat's life, I believe he's a good man. I believe he's a sincere man. I just don't know how spiritual he was in reality. But these kind of circumstances will make an unspiritual man very spiritual. And really, he could provide an example to the average Christian on how to pray. If you see in verse 6, he cries out, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? You know, the longer I live, one of the greatest comforts that I find in Scripture is the fact that He is the ruling King of the universe and God is sovereign. I can rest in that. There are times I'm disturbed. There are times I have lost sleep, concerned about circumstances, far beyond my control, but definitely under His control. And I think, why in the world would I be so crazy as to lose sleep over things... I cannot change. Only God can handle those things. I used to be disturbed by my flock and their actions and disturbed by the government and their direction, disturbed by a million things that I possibly could not change or control. And at some point in life, the beauty of the day, when you sit back and say, that's not mine to worry about. That's God's. And if he's not losing sleep over it, maybe I shouldn't either. He said, aren't thou he that rulest over all the kingdoms and in thine hand? Is there not power and might? Now, he was looking the right way. He knew he needed something supernatural or death was certain. You know what? That's not a bad place to find yourself. When you're in dire need for the supernatural, that's when God says, I'm glad to know you finally included me in your day. So good to be in your thoughts. I'm glad you can't do this one on your own. I would love to if you just invite me. None is able to withstand the art, not thou art God. It'd be very appropriate for you to include God in your thoughts and in your prayers. Before the disaster, it'd be good to call him your God before the tragedy strikes. But now he's crying out to our God who did strive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever. It's always good to bring up the promises of God. He said, Lord, we're sitting in your land, and this was promised to Abraham forever. So, anyways, we're the seed of Abraham. And we're sure, certainly hoping to stay here for a while. They dwelt therein. They've built the sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, When? I want you to notice that word. When? That means it's happening. It's just a matter of where it falls on the cat calendar. When evil cometh upon us is the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine... We stand before this house in thy presence and cry unto thee in our affliction. Then thou wilt hear in hell. Verse 12. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Now, I believe this was more than a confession. 
This was a cry of despair saying, God, if you don't do something special, we are sunk. God said, good. This is exactly how I wanted things to fall. We have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. Have you ever been in a place like that where you had no clue what to do? You said, I, I, I'm certainly not decided to go to the right or to the left. I, I think either way I decide is there's no good decision. Have you ever been in a place where there was no good decision to be made? It was just what's, what's bad and what's worse and God help me distinguish between the two. But whatever the case, I need your divine intervention. Our eyes. Now let me ask you this. Why did it take him this far into his reign as king to say our eyes are upon thee? Maybe God allows things to happen so we get our eyes upon him. Because usually as long as we have money in our bank account, we can solve most of our problems. As long as we have a plumber that we can call, a carpenter that lives next door, a friend that can fix our vehicle, we're set. And even if I don't have money in the bank, I got a credit card. So I don't need a prayer life until all of those resources have been exhausted. But now that there's a great multitude come up against me, now that I can't even count, now that I know about the coalition, now that I know that Moab joined forces with Ammon and, and Mount Seir, and there are thousands and possibly hundreds of thousands of the enemy were few in number. God, our eyes are upon thee. Why would it take this kind of moment to get our eyes on God? Wouldn't it be much better if we put our eyes on God before there was ever a need? While there was money in the bank? Then, here's the way God works. Verse 14, Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. God spoke through his prophet and he said, now here's what I like, God answers prayer. I'm glad I'm a Christian. I can't imagine going through this life without God. I can't imagine laying my head down on the pillow at night, not being able to pray and just leave that in his hands and go to sleep. Here's the world with no God, no Bible, no Holy Spirit, no Christian brothers. And, and they've got to lay there head on their pillows saying, okay, where in the world am I going to come up with that kind of money? How am I going to pay that bill? How am I going to be reconciled with my mate? How? Who's going to speak to my child in his condition? Who's going to draw him back to the family? Can you imagine if you couldn't pray and ask the Holy Spirit to do those things? But when you pray, God's waiting and God sent an answer. Verse 15, and the prophet said, Hearken ye all Judah, ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, thou king Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord to you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. Now, how many of us have found ourselves in this spot? The circumstances had us dismayed. It doesn't take much. It could be something as simple as a flat tire on the side of the highway. Frantically. This is the day and age of cell phones and help on the side of the highway and a million resources and we're still frantically panicked. 
can't believe this is, I cannot believe this is happening to me. What it takes to dismay the average Christian. The utility bill comes in a little higher than they planned and they're filled with dismay. They find themselves in a fender bender and blood pressure devils. We're not talking about an army of hundreds of thousands coming against you. We're talking about a soft wind. Now, let me ask you, if you found yourself in these circumstances, your national sovereignty was being threatened. Wouldn't it be natural to be dismayed? When you know that these armies would come in and slay not just the women and children, but torture, take captive. This would be a cause for dismay. I would say, possibly, you know, kind of, sort of. I have a family. I have a wife. I have three kids that I love. So he naturally was dismayed. And the prophet of God came and said, don't, you need, you need not feel that way. For the battle is not yours, but God's. He said, listen, you don't have to worry about fighting. Isn't that good to know? How many of you have ever read the newspaper? You've got someone on talk radio who got you all worked up. And you thought the battle's mine. And you're trying to reconcile something in your marriage with your friendship or there at the work. Or something in your life is, is just going out of control. And you think, this is my battle. It's my job to fix this. I've got to make this happen. I've got to make this work. God says, not really. You could actually kind of mess this up. How about if you let me handle this one? I've thought how often I've talked to people and even preachers. How often I've spoken to preachers. In life, we tend to imagine the worst. You know what's taking place at this moment? He is imagining his palace invaded by the enemy. Children decapitated. All his possessions burned. Being hauled off into slavery. That's the way we imagine life when things start to go bad. Boy, we can in our mind really overinflate the problem. We create situations that don't even exist. Fears that will never be realized. He said, this battle's not yours, it's God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Drill. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still. See the salvation of the Lord with you, uh, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Uh, verse 18. Here's a reaction of faith. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord. Now this only happens when you believe the news. You're confident in the word. They fell before the Lord worshiping. You don't worship with the enemy surrounding you. Nothing. Let me ask you this. Has anything changed as far as their circumstances is concerned? Did the enemies put down their weapons and go home, sign a truce, sign a peace accord, or say, you know what, we were just joking. 
You know that whole clanging of swords and the raising of, of the spears and the shields and the calling forth of battle? That, <laughs> we, were, we were just checking to see uh, if you guys were getting nervous. No. The danger was still present. The mindset had changed. What changed their mind? The word of the Lord came. They believed the word of the Lord through the prophet, the man of God. They fall down and worship. Now look what it says. Verse 19. The Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. Here's the short message of the night. If we would learn to praise, most of our battles would be won. Just with praise. That's it. You're getting God involved the minute you praise Him. And if you have bitterness in your life, praise brings victory. If you have frustration in your life, praise brings victory. Now, here's what we don't like about praise. It's a very spiritual exercise. We found out tonight, even in a church environment, many struggle to praise. Now, if you're full of the devil, a praise environment is going to be very disturbing. Listen, when David saw the ark of God returned to his city, he began to leap and praise, and there was someone there full of the devil, angry with what was going on. I saw you. Jumping Now, what David was doing was not carnal. We're not talking about the dancing that's taking places, the carnality that we find in churches across this nation. We're talking about leaping for joy, praising God for his greatness. And someone back there had a problem with that. Preacher, don't you, don't you think that the flesh could be involved. I'm more worried about your flesh on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm more worried about your flesh criticizing anybody that's trying to praise God. He wants to be praised, and the victory comes through praise. And God said this battle is not about you fighting. This is about you praising me and allowing me to fight for you. It would be a good idea to practice praising on Monday so you'd be more comfortable doing it on Sunday. If you begin to establish the habit and the pattern of praise in your life, God would be happy with that. He does say, let everything that has breath, last time I checked, you were breathing. That was the command. So, Jehoshaphat turns from fear to praise. The people are gathered together. He appoints certain people. Now, we know that Judah, they were the tribe that were appointed to praise. Matter of fact, the very name Judah means praise. They're leading into battle with songs of praise. Now, look what it says in verse 21. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness. You know what's so beautiful about God? Holiness. You know what's so ugly about this world? You know, a couple weeks ago, I had to go down to 6th Street, 8 o'clock in the morning. There's nothing happening on 
6th Street at 8 o'clock in the morning. But just to walk down that street made me uncomfortable. You know what makes me so comfortable? With the presence of God, there's a holiness. Boy, if we could catch a glimpse of the beauty of the holiness of God. That's what they were praising. They had been appointed as they went out before the army to say, Praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. How about if we get this section right over here to say that phrase together? Ready? The count of three. One, two, three. Praise Let, let's try that again. That, that wasn't much of an army here. That was a band of renegades. Let's try it again. Let's try it again, soldiers. Praise the Lord Now, imagine as thousands, maybe tens of thousands, head out towards the enemy, and they are saying... Don't you think that would be a little disturbing for the enemies of the children of God to hear that? They have no weapons of war. They have no training. They actually look silly. None are dressed for battle. None are prepared for war. All they come with are simple praises for an almighty God who has promised to fight for them. That's it. Now... You know why you're so upset? You need some medication? You're starting to twitch? You got ticks? Pastor, I got a, something I want to discuss with you. Let's discuss praise first. Because this is so key to about 90% of what we deal with in life. I don't care if it's a health issue or a marital problem, work-related problem. Whatever you are facing today, the very first step you should take is the first step the children of Judah took, and that's let's go into this battle with praise. Now, hold on for a second, parents. You know how uncomfortable it would be for many children in our Christian homes to praise God? That's why these, these young men on the front row just make me smile. If what you have is real and your God is that big and your heart is that thankful, why do you find it so difficult? The world can't see us. There are no windows in the auditorium. Your boss isn't going to notice that you're here. None of your family is going to think you're nuts any more than what they already think. We don't have a recording device going on. And if we did, you're in the middle of a crowd. You're short anyways. No one's going to notice. But all the same, just to say amen, you thought about it. And then you said, nah. Nah. Pastor, I, you know, I don't raise my voice unless you're talking to your wife. You just don't like to do it on Sunday. Those that work for you know you raise your voice. But to raise it in praise and adoration of God, that's something totally different. Let me ask you this. Praise is disturbing for the flesh. 
I, I can't wait to get to heaven and I'm going to ask God if I can have a seat on the side of the congregation like I have here just so I can watch some of you in heaven. I mean, the choirs are singing. I, I can't wait to see some of our independent Baptists. Lord, when you get a minute, I'd like to talk to you about all this stuff going on. Praising disturbs the flesh. So when you're full of the flesh, any additional verse, any additional song, any additional noise disturbs us. Can you imagine as these people go down? They were appointed to praise. And when they begin to sing and to praise, verse 22, they praised first and then God worked. How many like to see God do a miracle in your home? How many like to see God do a miracle in this church? How about before we pray for a church building or a church property, we praise God first. Thank you, God, for having something in mind. Thank you for having the right time, the right place, the right building with the right parking lot. God, we're just so grateful you have all of that under control. We're not sweating it. We're not even concerned. I'm so grateful to park three blocks down, walk to the house of God and sit like this next to a beloved Christian that knows how to wear cologne. I love, I love your house, Father. Turn to Psalms. Here's what praise is. It's simply an expression of confidence in God. Don't, don't you think that God would be pleased if we showed some confidence in him, in him, begin to praise him for what he's going to do? God, we know. We know you have a plan. We know you have a building. We know you have the money. We know you're going to use us. God, we know we're going to be the opportunity. We're going to have the opportunity to be channels. And we are excited about what you're going to do, Father. We just want to praise your name that you have something bigger in store than we could even imagine. Thank you, Father. That's an expression. You know what they did? Hold on for a second. The circumstances had not changed one bit. Not one bit. Not a soldier had left. Not a weapon of war had been placed on the ground. Not a soldier had deserted from the enemy army. Everything was still in place. For the disaster, the ruin, the fall of Judah. But one minute we see the people fasting and fearful. And the next moment they're walking into battle. Praising the Lord. You know what praise is? It's a genuine expression of your confidence in the power and the might. And the wisdom and the plan. The sovereign plan of God Almighty. That's what praise is. God, I praise you for what you're going to do in the heart of my child. I praise you for what you're going to do in my marriage. I praise you for what you're doing in the life of my mate. I praise you for what you're doing in my heart so I can be a better mate. I praise you for this job and I praise you for my boss and I praise you that he's considering giving me a reasonable raise. God hears the prayers of his children. I wonder how much fussing he deals with. Most prayer is simply the expression of worry. Begging God, oh God, things look so desperate. I hope that you can do something with my situation. 
you wouldn't like that kind of conversation with your child. Maybe God doesn't care for that kind of conversation with his child. Psalm 145, 1, I'll extol thee, my God, O King. I will bless thy name forever and ever, every day, every day. This means you don't have to wait till Sunday morning or Sunday night. You don't have to wait till your favorite hymn is played or your favorite group sings. You can praise God every day, forever and ever. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty. That's what Christians are doing on Facebook. <laughs> and men shall speak of the mighty, of thy might, thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness on Google+. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness. I'll do it by text. I'll do it by phone. I'll do it in my car. I'll do it in my devotions. I'll do it everywhere I go. I will sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger. The Lord is good to all. His tender mercies are over all and his works. Who praise solve so many church problems. What would happen if you got together to fellowship and it just turned into a praise fest? The Lord is good to all. His tender mercies are over all. Don't you see this as a generalization of positive things? You just don't think you fit in the category of all. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. You know what praise is? An expression of confidence is they went to battle. Listen, if you don't trust God to win the war, you're not going to fight the enemy without weapons singing his praises. Imagine in your mind this army. Men, women, and children. Designated singers. Can you imagine this army? As they go into battle and all they're doing is singing the praises of God. You know what? You ought to shock yourself and try praise. You say, I, I tried it one time. <laughs> what you tried was not praise. Okay? doesn't fall in that category. Praise means something positive have, has to come out of your mouth about God. That's praise. Look what it says. Chapter 146. We're, we're talking about this is an expression of confidence. It's an expression of gratitude. You know, we saw dripping off these verses in Psalms 145 was gratitude. Praise ye the Lord. Chapter 146, 1. Praise the Lord, O my soul, while I live. Will I praise the Lord? I will sing praises unto my God while I have being. Put not your trust in the princesses, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to the earth, and that his very day his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Do you see the confidence of praise? God's our only hope. God is going to do this. So let's express gratitude for what he has in mind. But more than that, not just an expression of gratitude, expression of confidence. 
It's an expression of obedience. Christians, how can we say that we're obedient children of God and can't find a way to make it a habit to praise God? What percent of, of our speech would be considered praise? Point what? You have to put that big ugly dot first. If we're grown Christians, if we've been children of God for 10 or 15, 20, 25 years, don't you think that at this point, 10%, 15%, maybe 20% of our conversation would be praise to God? Has any other Christian accidentally stumbled across you praising God? I mean, if your mate has actually lived with you and you occasionally spank, you hear each other, has she or he ever heard you say, praise the Lord? Boy, God is so good to us. Have your children ever heard you say, God has just blessed us and blessed us. Look at this house and look at the cars and look at our friends and look at the ministry. Look at what we have. I think we're blessed too much. Have they seen a mother and a father that say, boy, Wish we didn't have to live in this neighborhood. I'm sick of this car. We'll ever be able to get out of debt and buy something better than this. Most kids think, hmm, I think dad's too happy with God. I think mom's too happy with the Christian life. Boy, I think first chance I get, I'm going to jump ship on all of this. I've been serving God for 20 years. I have no complaints. I've been pastoring for 20 years, have no complaint. I've had kids for 18, have no complaint about God. If all they hear is the complaint, the negativity, the frustration. And our spirituality is so small, the things we complain about. I can't believe we can't do that. I can't believe that happened. I can't believe. The pollen count in this city. That's good. Psalms 151, praise ye the Lord. This is obedience to a command. You are to praise him, praise God. His, praise God. Hold on, hold on for a second. Let me stumble over these words. Praise God in his sanctuary. So that's actually what you're supposed to do in here. So when everyone else seems pretty excited about a song and as you stand there, stumble over the words and think this is miserable, this is our eighth M. <laughs> the command is to praise ye the Lord in the sanctuary. Wouldn't it be a natural thing for your pastor to be concerned as he sits here on the side and I'm trying to praise God, but at the same time I'm looking at my flock and I'm watching some of the sheep it's not that their head is in the grass, it's just down. <laughs> Does it seem abnormal that we would make praise so important in the house of God? Do you think really that we would rival these in the Old Testament in their praise and worship to God? With the time we spend in the amount of verses that we sing, our volume level, our inner joy, our facial expression, 
Could we match what we see in Scripture? Child of God that understands God, has the right view of God, has no problem praising the Lord. Why would you come to God's house if you have no intention of praising the God of the house? When I come to God's house, I'm excited about the songs we're going to sing and the opportunity that I have because guess what? When I'm by myself, I don't sound real good. (laughs) But when I'm in a crowd like this, I'm singing harmony. (laughs) I'm singing any part I want. And even you think I sound good. You're not disturbed if I sing whatever it is I sing. (laughs) Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song in his praise in the congregation of the saints. Now, let me ask you this. Is there anything in chapter 148, 149, 150 that seems to be a plea to praise? Is this a plea or a command? Praise ye the Lord, period. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power, period. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness, period. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with the string instruments. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, 